We are going to cut right to the chase on this episode, folks. It is all about the trade deadline. Who are the winners? Who are the losers? Find out our takes right here, right now. Let's roll the intro. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, and he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 70. Alex and I are coming to you live. It is Tuesday, August 2nd. Alex, the trade deadline has officially ended. And with our 70th episode, Alex, I think it honestly feels like there were 70 guys that went today from different ball clubs and different teams. I mean, it was chaos. Chaos was emerging all throughout the day. But we'll start with the biggest news that happened, of course, this morning. The San Diego Padres, Alex, actually the last... 24 hours, I would say the San Diego Padres again seem to just be probably the most elite team the last two years in the trade market. They land Juan Soto, Alex. They land the Ted Williams of our generation. Give me your thoughts on the Padres right now. Yeah. So the Padres are positioned in a great spot, I think, for this coming playoffs, next coming playoffs. Um, you know, the Juan Soto deal is its so huge for them. They definitely sold a big stake of their farm over to Washington. So it wasn't, you know, there, there was definitely a price there. But I think the biggest thing for me is they really addressed a lot of, I guess, any concerns they had got addressed in this trade market. Not only did they trade for Soto, but in the same deal, they're bringing over Josh Bell, who's going to be a good first baseman, a oh, good... Yeah. Switch hitter, but hits uh, right-handed pitchers as a lefty especially well. So I think that's going to be an impactful bat for them, cleanup type hitter. Uh, Also brought in uh, Brandon Drury from the Reds. He's probably going to end up being a kind of hybrid infielder with some outfield as well. He can kind of play some second base and first base, assuming that Machado's got third base all locked up and that he's healthy. Also can play some outfield if needed, depending on which corner Soto's going to go to. Um, and we'll see. Honestly, so much can happen with the team. Maybe when Tatis comes back, they want him in the outfield. So that means you got Cronenworth at short or Hassan Kim, Drury at second. You know, they can really get creative here. You got Profar can be outfield or first base or second base. You know, they really have some versatility options. Um, and of course, all rounding out with a Josh Hader acquisition to kind of put the star power in the bullpen. Uh, it, it, it's that trade, I think, is very interesting on both sides, Travis. Uh, both teams feel like they did not get almost worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that I think that it's smart from both perspectives, and I honestly think that it really personifies both teams' perspectives because San Diego got the star power. If you look at the, what the, each side got, they got yeah. the star power. They got the you know the bigger name. They got the guy who is gonna be the quote unquote shut down ninth inning guy, whereas the Brewers kind of acknowledged, 
Hater has kind of slipped a bit in the last month or so. Mm -hmm. Is that going to last for the rest of his career? Obviously not. He's going to have great bounce back months and then other bad months. It's going to go up and down for a reliever. But they really like Devin Williams, of course. I, Travis, personally think that this season, just looking at both of their numbers, Devin Williams is the better relief pitcher at this very moment. It could change, of course, end of season, next season. But I think that right now that they're in a great spot if they want to make Devin Williams their closer. They reinforced with some depth. They got like I think four pieces coming from yep. uh, San Diego up to Milwaukee. Yep. So it was really about kind of bringing in some more options, more depth. They of course brought in Taylor Rogers, I believe it was, mm -hmm. who I've been high on ever since he was with the Twins. He is a really good reliever. I always grabbed him in fantasy when he was their closer up in, in Minnesota. Uh, so I think he's going to be a really good bullpen tool for Milwaukee. I also think that uh, their addition of Lamette, you know, he's the kind of guy who right now doesn't have tons of value. But if I'm going to pick any team to try to retool his pitch mix, try to give him some tweaks that will help him out, whether it be as a starter or like a reliever, Milwaukee's going to have a great, you know, pitching lab kind of situation to help him succeed. And then they got some young prospects as well, one of them being an outfielder uh, who I know is uh, – had a really, I think he was like given an award for like whatever level he's at. He was like the player of the first half for that level. He had like a really high batting average and on base mm -hmm. contact hitter. Um, not a lot of power they were saying, or maybe his slugging was good, but like didn't barrel a lot. But he has, he's got like like maxed out speed. But anyways, lots of kind of potential heading back to Milwaukee. And Travis, I saw this like quote. I think it was from. I'm trying to remember if it was a reporter or if it was like the GM himself, but essentially Milwaukee has a mindset, Travis, of they think the best way to win is to have as many bites at the apple as possible, which if you think about what that means, they think the best way they can win a World Series is if they just make the playoffs every year. So they're mm -hmm. just trying to stay good, right? Yeah. That's how I really view their mindset. Whereas the Padres are taking a different approach they want to be the most talented team in baseball, and mm -hmm. that's how they think they're going to win the World Series. On paper and in the field. So, yeah, because of that, it really feels like this trade personified both teams' mindsets. Um, that's how I view it, at least, mm -hmm. because, you know, the Brewers really deepen their team. I don't, I don't think they got any worse by dealing Hater. I don't. Even though Hater's a great pitcher, I think that they're going to fill the holes well. They always do. Uh, they're still in a poised spot, you know, in their division, in the National League, if their pitchers are, you know, hot at the right time. And then, of course, the Padres, you could say they got better if you're a big fan of Hater because he's someone who, even though, Travis, of course, like someone brought up to me that like uh, the Padres or something like are finally like determined to like make a big push because they got Hater. It's like, well, to be fair, the Brewers had Hater last playoffs and he gave up the home run that yep. lost them the series. So, yep. you know, that's how the playoffs go. It's really kind of, you know, either you produce or you don't and it's you get kind of one shot. So. We'll see how those kind of things shake up with those two teams. But I just thought it was interesting how those teams kind of made a deal with each other that kind of uh, represented the team's mindsets. But 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 back on Soto, Travis, yeah. um, I guess I'll get your thoughts on Soto now because we've praised him all the time. He's going to fit into that lineup so well. The lineup, I think, could use a boost at the top. Obviously, they'll get Tatis back at some point here. But adding you know Tatis and Soto here essentially for the second half. Tatis not back yet, of course, but 
you know, they're all, I think he took some swings there a day. Like you're hoping he's back within a month or something. Yeah. Adding those guys for second half and for playoffs, what do you kind of expect from the Padres? Where would you kind of have them stack up in the National League after these deals? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, looking at ranking wise, they are the with according to the record, of course, they are the fourth best team in the National League. So, I think the biggest. Um, the biggest news out of today and, and the biggest take I have with the Padres is that they have the fourth best record in the National League, Alex. And we've seen zero games from Tatis this season in a Padres uniform. Mm-hmm. And we've seen zero games from Juan Soto this season in a Padres uniform. So to me, you got to be feeling so good if you are a Padres fan right now. I mean, obviously, we talk about the division is pretty much out of reach. Twelve games back of the Dodgers. The Dodgers have just been a great elite team the whole season but you're i mean you're almost looking like you're making the playoffs for sure right now if you're san diego i mean it's it's it should be a pretty clear shot to get the four five or six seed for the wild card right now um and the biggest question is of course who will they be playing um i think for me alex right now of course soto gives them such an edge against every other team when it comes to the offense and you got tatis as well and you got machado who's going to be getting tons and tons and tons of mvp votes but um it, it, it'll get interesting in the end i will say because i mean right now season ends today let's just say they play atlanta alex and atlanta is a very good team and we could see a very very good matchup in atlanta atlanta would be hosting the uh, wild card game right now between the four and the five seeds so um it, it's it's interesting that the padres got a lot better but also their dreams could be crushed in a matter of you know three games so it, it it's 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 going to be really fun and to see how the stretch continues how august and september go but i mean going back to just the news today i mean the potters of course in my opinion they definitely won the trade deadline they've they've won all the acquisitions a week ago alex we were talking about the two teams the teams that really needed to show uh that they were in it to win it this year and that we're making trying to make just basically a a uh trying to prove it to the fans and trying to prove it to the baseball world. I mentioned the Padres and the Mariners. We'll get into the Mariners in a little bit, but Padres, of course, came out and just wanted to show, of course, that they are still a team that takes things seriously after last season's kind of uh, uh, almost depressing finish the way they finished the two months uh, and and just kind of faded out and not make the playoffs. Now it kind of restates their, uh, you know, dominance that they can still control those trade market uh, and those huge, huge market players like Soto. So, I mean, of course, the big question is when will the extension be coming? Because that's what it really matters and comes down to. If the Padres traded for Soto and they got, what, a year and a half of him and then they lost him. Talk about probably one of the biggest, you know, not the biggest waste rentals. If they don't, if they win a World Series, it won't be a waste rental. But it would be definitely something to be looked at down upon. But, um, I, I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable what they can do with all those prospects they've been building up for almost the past decade or so. Um, it, it's crazy when you have such a successful farm and development like the Padres, you can be able to get all these big pieces and uh, make a huge push for, you know, the 2022 postseason, it looks like for this season. Yeah, they've had so many chances at the draft that it makes it feel like, okay, this team definitely has a lot of upside in their in their you know their farm system so it makes sense they're able to pull off all these trades yeah one thing i did read travis i forget if it was tweeted by bob nightingale or someone but uh they said something to the effect of the padres view the soto acquisition um essentially what he was saying was there's not like a definite confirmed nature that they're gonna 
give him the monster extension. Mm-hmm. I think it's likely, obviously, but there's a chance that they kind of view him as just like this asset, right? And if he gets, you know, even better in like the next year, they could flip him for prospects yep. or they could, um, you know, I mean, they could just explore options. Essentially, they have decisions to make down the road. So we'll kind of see how the team kind of continues to form, you know, the whole the whole uh, Soto contract extension. You know, we people think he might break, you know, $500 million in the total deal, which I think is possible. If that kind of thing happens, um, it's going to hit a team pretty hard. Yep. And a team is already paying Tatis, Machado, uh, a, a boatload of pitchers. They just extended Musgrove. You know, there's a lot of guys on contract there. So um, they're going to have to, I think, crunch some numbers to figure out how, how much they can afford to give Soto. And then there will be a whole discussion in that regard. But uh, I just wanted to kind of float the idea out there to the listeners like as awesome as a signing is for the Padres and it's going to really help their upside I don't think it's a necessarily a lock I just want to get ahead of ourselves yeah. I don't think it's a lock that he's going to be there for you know the next 15 years I think it is likely he does get extended because giving up you know Gore Abrams amongst all those others um it's it would be a huge price to pay for two years like mm-hmm. kind of like you just said but mm-hmm. But yeah, the Padres made tons of great moves. They also got rid of the Hosmer contract, so that's something that could help them going forwards. Um, they got rid of Voigt as well to kind of complete the deal for Soto. So a lot of things were going on in the Padres' world um, just today and yesterday. So they are a completely new beast, and we're kind of excited to see their second half. Yeah, I mean, right now, the biggest series that I think everyone has circled on their calendar is coming this weekend. I believe, what is it, August 5th through the 7th? Padres at Dodger Stadium um, for a weekend series. I don't think Tatis will be back. Um, I haven't really heard too much about his updates. I know he's taking BP almost every single day, Alex. They should have Soto in the lineup, but I mean, uh, it's it's going to be there's going to be a lot of viewers. <laughs> that's Definitely. that's all I'll say for this weekend at, at Dodger Stadium. It'll be a great series. Uh, really curious to see if you know you start getting the Soto chance of you know just just heckling him and 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 you know all the booze will be going towards him uh now that he kind of switched to the uh the dark side because a lot of dodger fans at the all-star break at dodger stadium thought soto would be a dodger within two weeks so uh interesting to see how that kind of you know turns out to be for this weekend and everything like that but alex i'll kind of turn it now towards the other big team i would say that made a lot of moves this trade deadline and that's the new york yankees I think one of the biggest moves they made, Alex, is getting Frankie Montas, one of the biggest free agent starting pitchers on the market. They acquire him. They also acquire, let's see, they also acquire Harrison Bader from the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm trying to remember if they required anyone else that was huge name out there. Well, I think we we already covered Benintendi, I think, in the last episode, right? That's right. Um, And then there was something else, Relief for Efros. Um, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. That's right. Okay. Um, So there's a handful of moves that they made. And, and, uh, you know, the the Bader deal is really interesting because it's for Montgomery, who has had a really good, I think, year on the starting pitching side of things. So... It addresses a need for the Cardinals where they, I think, were pretty shallow at starting pitcher before the deadline. They made some moves to enforce that. But from the Yankees' perspective of all this, Bader's going to be a good kind of playoff outfielder. Maybe he's a platoon bat or something like that, but um, definitely a base running 
you know, guru, definitely a defensive yep. specialist. Gold so yeah. it is going to honestly have tons of value if you're up, you know, two runs in a late game in a wild card game, or that won't be in a wild card actually, yeah. but yeah. In, in a division series and you want to, you know, reinforce the outfield, you probably put him in for Hicks, slide judge back to right field, and then you got if you got like a Ben Attendee judge on the corners with uh, Bader in center field. That's going to be a much better defensive outfielder, a defensive outfield like alignment than uh, I guess what they've had in years past. So mm-hmm. um, there's upside there for sure with the Bader pick. Um, Montas is there's been I guess some uh, pause this year because of like a bit of an injury thing. He missed some time, couple not great starts, but I think overall the upside is definitely there. I have no question about his ability. It's just going to come down to you know him being healthy in the second half. And in the playoffs for them, but it's a great pickup. He's going to slot, I think, really great right behind Cole as like a solid number two guy. I think that's a great, you know, rotation they have going with, you know, Nestor behind no longer Montgomery, but you have yeah. Nestor, you have Tyone, you have uh, Severino. So there's uh, plenty of options there. So Yankees overall, Travis made a lot of good moves. I think also getting rid of Gallo for a minor league uh, pitcher, I believe. Yep. So. Yep. A lot going on in the in the Bronx. Um, I think that they're in a great spot for the postseason. They really addressed any and all concerns, even though they already were the first 70-win team. So tons of like, tons of like. Uh, any other thoughts on the Yankees, I guess? Yeah, I mean, they kind of just uh, – a very surprising, I think, trade with the whole Montgomery uh, deal going to St. Louis. St. Louis got, of course, uh, you know, a couple good starting pitchers, Quintana from the Pittsburgh Pirates and now Montgomery – from New York so two good lefties this season so that kind of covers slightly a little bit of St. Louis what they did but I mean going back to the Yankees Bader like you said great for late ball game uh, adjustments defense speed that's pretty much his expertise and that's why you bring him in Ben Attendee is going to be a great of course just contact bat honestly could provide a little bit more power than we've seen I think honestly I think he has like three home runs this year Alex the power has been you know completely off for him but I know playing in Kansas City, that ballpark can play pretty deep. Being a left-handed hitter in Yankee Stadium, you can you can easily crack 25 home runs in that ballpark. So I'm wondering to see if his power numbers kind of surge. They, I, I can almost guarantee they will, but uh, seeing how much they do is is the big question. But guarantee, then of course, huh? Uh, I, I, I can guarantee he'll have more than three home runs in the second half. That's all I'll say about that. But uh, Frankie Montas being the new starting pitcher uh, coming over from Oakland. Oakland kind of did their full uh, full dump, I would say, of all their, I guess, all their best. Their valuable uh, assets. All their valuable yeah. assets. Their win, now, their win now assets. Yeah. Montas was uh, the big name before the season started. And then they decided that they just roll with him for the season. Um, and then, of course, now they can get some good value for him. But good thing for the Yankees, they don't give up any big or massive prospects. I think they gave up their number five prospect, Alex. That was the biggest name they gave up. No Volpe, no Peraza, no Dominguez. None of these guys That's that the they biggest thing. want to build off of. So now you look in the future and you could say, hey, use the money to sign Judge this offseason. Then you have all this young talent. You could possibly even trade some of the guys like even, you know, Glaber or if you want to dump a lot of LeMahieu's contract for someone, you could possibly find a way to get rid of him, and you could really build with some of these young guys. We'll see what happens with the Yankees, but right now, they, I think they just put themselves into a very nice spot for the uh, for, for the American League and going forward towards October. But one team I wanted to cover next, Alex, um, that's going to be probably the Yankees' biggest rival going into the playoffs. It's going to be the Houston Astros. 
Right now, the Astros are the second best team in the American League. They made some pretty good statement piece moves right now, Alex. Christian Vasquez coming over from Boston and Trey Mancini coming over from the Baltimore Orioles. Alex, I kind of want to talk first about the Mancini trade. It just seemed, you know, the power numbers have gone down this year, Alex, but that's, you know what? Look at Camden Ball Yards. <laughs> Ballpark. Look at Camden Yards. I can't wait to see what Mancini does with those Crawford boxes it, in it's, Houston. It's funny how much of a flip flop it is. You going from a ballpark <clears throat> that for some reason in your sweet spot where you pull a nice fly ball, yep. they just pushed it back like thirty feet or whatever it is. <laughs> Three eighty. And, and you're and then now you're going to a ballpark where they've brought it in like thirty. Three fifteen. Yeah. So it's just gonna be such a huge difference maker, I think, for him. I have no – I can't imagine any scenario where he's not just a better hitter yeah. at that ballpark. It's going to be a lot better for him. And the hitters around him are a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's going to help support as well. He's going to be a great right-handed bat. You can kind of put between Alvarez and Tucker or however they're going to end up doing things. I'm not sure how they're exactly going to arrange it all because, I mean, maybe they end up using a lot of your Don in the outfield mm -hmm. with Mancini DHing. If they want to keep Guriel in the lineup, maybe they t let Guriel kind of miss some time because he's really lost some pop, I feel like. Yeah. Got Mancini at first for a bit, Alvarez DHing, and you have more defensive outfielders. So they can really get creative based on the game, based on the plan, based on the time of the game. Um, you know, if you're winning, if you're losing late, whatever it may be. So I like the Astros got kind of more options uh, going there. And then the Vasquez deal, Travis, I think that Christian Vasquez is probably a pretty good complement to Maldonado. Maldonado is still going to be that guy that's the defensive uh, first i think he's gonna have a great relationship with the pitchers he's established already because he's pretty much catches like almost every time i'm, I'm on a game like yeah. he's like the like obviously the primary catcher but like he's catching i feel like probably 85 90 percent of the yeah. games yeah so he knows all the pitchers well um he's gonna have that relationship the defensive minded guy at least like the game calling stuff he has that all down the bat for him has been very 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 poor um i think it's actually had like a he had a decent month at some point but i mean overall the numbers are not that pretty vasquez is a better hitter by most metrics so i think that they're a good complement there so some games you have vasquez in you're up by a good amount you put in malnado you kind of vice versa it um depending on the situation so i think they got better option wise uh depth wise so i think they're in a good spot um, they are for the and, and i forgot the last guy they added alex will smith from the atlanta braves um an interesting trade because you basically traded a starting pitcher in odorizzi to atlanta for a relief pitcher in will smith both guys alex i mean they, they've had some good high and lows of their career at least in the last couple of years will smith in the playoffs was extremely dominant didn't of course have like the great strikeout numbers or the good advanced metric stats but it seemed like every single time will smith took the mound in the eighth or ninth inning it was a shutdown inning and I mean, no he just was... he just didn't blow in yeah did he even i think he allowed no one runs like, yeah I mean, there's just no way to slice it he yeah was really good yeah. in the playoffs yep and so this season of course will smith um a little bit of a different outcome right now he has a 4-3 era the whip is pretty high um, you know, pretty much averaging a strikeout per inning. That's kind of what I expected and actually a negative war for him. So it's been somewhat of a disappointment season after the World Series victory. But um, they get another relief pitcher. I'm pretty sure, of course, Presley is still going to be the closer. But oh, yeah. at least they get a good lefty righty comp, hopefully moving forward. That can be really nice in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, I mean, last thought on that that trade right there. Yeah, I think it's 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 a fine way to add depth to that bullpen. I think they may have been uh a few lefties short compared to some other contenders in the bullpen so maybe they just wanted to really 
get something going there. I, I, I read uh, somewhere for like a week leading into the deadline that the Astros were looking to trade one of their starting pitchers. I didn't know what that was all about. It seems like it ended up being Odorizzi. I feel like maybe they either have a guy coming up they like or maybe maybe they think McCullers is coming back or whatever it may be. I don't know the status of McCullers. I'm mm-hmm. just kind of theorizing mm-hmm. here. But he I, actually, I just saw today, Alex. He's actually getting back to another rehab start. He already had another. He already had one rehab start. Got it. He's getting another rehab start. I believe is actually tonight. And so, if, if two he, weeks maybe. I, I don't know. If yeah. he can be back sooner than later, it's going to be huge for second half for postseason. I mean, the postseason uh, rotation becomes so much better when you add McCullers because instead yep. of Framber, Luis Garcia, oh, Verlander, of course, being your front three. Yep. Yep. Now we're talking about you know I would say it's probably Verlander and I would go McCullers, but probably Framber would get the second spot. Yep. But I mean, the the front three becomes much better. Luis Garcia goes to like more of like the fourth game of a series, which mm-hmm. is like you know a lot better depth wise at yep. least. So yep. and they, Christian Javier coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. yeah, long relief numbers there. I mean, it's going to be. Uh, I think it's overall going to be a much better situation uh not having to have Odorizzi in the mix I think overall he has value to add to the Braves probably but um I think the Astros kind of knew what they were doing with that not really needing to have him as part of the the plan for the po- the postseason so yeah Astros made smart moves you know water is wet and not too surprising there um but yeah I think Charles we can keep moving on um some other teams that had some action yes and I'll actually move on to the one team that I think they they I think I think they, they started the <laughs> The biggest news out of the trade deadline so far um, before today and before yesterday happened. But that's the Seattle Mariners getting Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds. Alex, two points on this trade I want to talk about. Of course, Castillo going to the Mariners. Second point, the Reds got a huge haul in return. Oh, yeah. Um, Give me your thoughts, of course, first on the Reds prospect haul that they got from seattle on, on so, actually last friday so the 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 biggest headliner of that return prospect package going to cincinnati is of course Novi Marte. he was the number one prospect in the uh seattle system once julio was promoted so he's a, a shortstop type an infielder type uh he's just an all-around really good player he was like top 15 in just about every um like prospect ranking for all of MLB that I've seen like MLB pipeline had him like 13 or something like that and you know Fangraphs and Baseball America all have their own um but yeah Novi Marte is going to be someone who you think is a great star um at some point in his career very young still but um could arrive you know next season year after oh yeah and I think that you know that is almost just about best case scenario for the Reds because Castillo uh, I think after next season, he will be a free agent. You're not going to make the playoffs this year, and you're probably not going to be in win-now mode next year. So it made sense to trade him while there was some some level of team control. You can get a better piece in return. They got someone's uh, first, like, number one prospect out of their system. Um, I think it's a big win for the Reds. And then for the Mariners, Travis, I would say I was surprised. I thought that they could make a... A deal for a pitcher without giving up Marte, but yep. I think they must just feel comfortable about where their infield is at. I'm not sure who's kind of below Marte in terms of like who might replace him for like who's the next best like upcoming infielder, but mm-hmm. I guess I'm just kind of like, you know, Crawford is good and yep. I think he they see him as part of their plan, so that's why they were able to trade the shortstop that's kind of below him. Uh, in the prospect uh, level but like Eugenio Suarez is your third baseman uh he's having a really solid year but I don't think he's your long-term plan because he's Mm -hmm. not that young anymore um I don't think he's their plan for you know 
the latter half of the decade, um, I don't think that Adam Frazier at second base is part of your long-term plan. You know, they have a yeah. lot of options and depth and utility pieces that can kind of slot around. So they have some flexibility in that regard. But I don't think that, you know, I guess I'll just say I'm surprised that Novi Marte, um, yeah. you know, what was dealed out like that when I feel like he could have easily slotted into second base or third base in a couple years from now, or you slot over JP Crawford around and have Novi play short. You know, there's tons of options there. Um, Marte is, you know, it feels like he would have been a part of the Julio generation, but you know, they really see a window now. Uh, they know that the angels and the Rangers are not up to their level at this point in time. So with that in mind, they say, you know, let's just kind of secure a wild card spot this season. They're trying to end the drought, Travis. They and are. I think for that, you have to respect. They are. And that's what I was going to mention too. I think they're just in a real spot where they're, they're, they're win now happy. And I, again, I respect that you're in a great position the teams behind you are not, I would say, the the best teams that are going to put up a huge competition for that sixth seed. So I think that the sixth seed right now is just clear in sight for the Mariners to take. Some other other under-the-radar moves they got to, Alex, I will mention. Matt Boyd, Matthew Boyd from the Giants they acquired. Also, Kirk Caselli from the Giants the Mariners got. So just some extra depth. And then also Jake Lamb from the Dodgers they also acquired. So some other under-the-radar moves. Uh, to possibly help bolster that team. But you're right. It, it, it seems like they are just strongly considering win now, win the next couple seasons. We, we, we just we have a hot hand right now, see what we can do. But you're right. I don't know what Crawford, I don't know what... Um, now I just lost the guys, the second baseman. Uh, the, on their team right now? Yeah. yeah. Frazier? Frazier, that's right. I don't know what Frazier's plan is, and I don't know what Suarez's plan is. Um, it seems like those guys, I mean, Crawford could be a guy that stays around there for a really long time, but, um, you know, Frazier and also, uh, Suarez, what are the plans for them moving forward? Um, and of course, reassuring their team with, you know, Boyd, Caselli and Lamb will definitely help this year, but building for the future, of course, Julio is going to be part of that future. Uh, interesting to see how the Mariners would possibly rebound in the off season, possibly seasons to come, but again, focused right now, the Mariners look like a playoff team there's they're they're they sure are spending like a playoff team right now um and these guys only help them get better robbie ray luis castillo looks like it'd be a perfect one two matchup for a playoff series right now um and again going against minnesota twins i mean it definitely gives them a very good shot to advance to the next round and play one of the yankees or the astros in the um, division series if that's the way it will go but um, so far right now Alex I will say the Mariners did a very nice job I think this um, this trade deadline really assuring that they can still be uh, you know a top dog as of right now in the American League West and also you know in the American League getting that top six spot to make the playoffs and kind of end that drought but um, that kind of wraps up I say I say with the Seattle Mariner talk but um, yeah I guess now we can kind of talk about um, some of the under the radar moves that I would say, uh, you know, really, really last second moves. And, and one team I want to talk about, and it's kind of involves our team, Alex, but we'll talk about the Philadelphia Phillies. They, of course, the last couple hours acquired Brandon Marsh, outfielder from the Angels, Noah Syndergaard, starting pitcher from the Angels, and also David Robertson, a relief pitcher from the Chicago Cubs. So starting pitcher, outfielder and relief pitcher all done within about two hours before the deadline ended. Yeah, I think that they kind of addressed weaknesses that they were aware of, which is 
always a smart plan at the deadline. If the season ended today, I think they'd be in the playoffs. So they're in a good spot in that regard. They need to kind of continue reinforcing those weaknesses. Um, Brandon Marsh, Travis, is someone who completely fits um, like a short-term game plan and then has long-term yeah. upside. The short-term game plan is, I don't know if he's going to be starting all the time, but he is a elite defender. Uh, I think he was top... He was tied or at the top or tied for second, like most defensive runs saved in the outfield, at least in left field where he was playing yeah. for most of the time with the Angels. He truly graded uh, as, an, I think, an elite uh, defensive center fielder last season when Mike Trout was hurt. So you're getting so much defensive upside, great base running, um, and a left-handed bat um, in Brandon Marsh. I'm very high on him, Travis. You know, He's someone that, as an Angels fan, obviously the Angels are, you know, a lot of the moves the Angels made, it's kind of hard to analyze right now because it all kind of depends on, you know, how their prospects they got in return develop. You know, maybe Mickey Moniak uh, becomes great. Maybe their yeah. new catcher turns out great. But, um, you know, as of as it stands right now, Marsh was like an MLB-ready player who strikes out too much to kind of be an everyday hitter on a playoff team. Yeah. But um, he hits the ball hard. He has a good barrel rate. He has uh, great speed, and then the defense is elite. So he has a role on a playoff team, even if even if he won't start every single day. So I think it's a great pickup. Um, you know, defensive defensive sub kind of guy, pinch runner, um, and then we'll get some starts, of course, and in good matchups for him. So I think it's a good add in that regard, in terms of focusing on like he has a role for us right now, and then also he could blossom into something even better. And every day, a big contributor. He actually already has like one. Fangraphs war on the season so he could get up to you know almost two mm -hmm. and as someone who's 24 i think that's a great spot to be especially when you have you know i would say a hole in your swing that um if that were to fix all of a sudden we're talking about a three or four war player if you can get the contact up to like a you know uh above a 250 average and above like a 320 330 on base yeah. now we're talking about someone who i almost reminds me of like a trent grisham but you know he's not there yet obviously i'm just kind of projecting uh, so I think their move made sense for them in that regard. And then Thor, Travis, Noah Syndergaard, someone who we knew would be on the move from the Angels because they are not in win now this season mode. Um, and he is someone who's going to expire. So they did get a Mickey Moniak for him. I do think it made sense for both sides in terms of, you know, more starting pitching help for like a back end of a playoff series. He could be like the, you know, the fourth game starter for the Phillies in a series. And then also... Um, the Angels got something in return for someone who uh, is going to be a free agent in the fall anyway. So um, I think it made sense from both sides. And I think the Phillies, you know, address some clear um, areas of concern uh, going yeah. into the deadline. So, yeah, yeah, I, I would say so, too. I mean, I think that the Thor move is um, is definitely a good middle rotation back end of the rotation kind of, uh, you know, pick up that, you know, they're still, of course, going to be putting all the weight on Nola and Wheeler to get the job done. Thor can kind of be that, you know, three, four guys. So definitely a good pickup to kind of lengthen that starting pitching rotation. And then, of course, like you said, with Marsh, um, we were talking about it earlier, Alex. I mean, Marsh is a guy that I, I am still, you know, I have a lot of hope on because I think I mentioned to you the speed, the defense. It's still, you know, it's still elite. You know, you really can't get much better than that. It just seemed like if you put the contact and put the bat together, this guy would just become, you know, an incredible baseball player. And so looking at what the Phillies can do with this guy for the next couple seasons, um, he could be a very nice return in the next couple of years. You know, just a guy that just 
30 to 40, you know, doubles a year, you know, could be in the 20s, possibly for home runs. If he gets the contact up, he's got some decent power, I will say, especially now playing in Philly, that right field porch um, could be a nice spot for him. So uh, defense is already an A plus for him. It's going to be very useful, I think, coming down the stretch, because I think right now, Schwarber and Castellanos and a couple other guys. I mean, like we mentioned, the defense on the Phillies was completely awful. So now that they get a reassurance for that, he can possibly help them out late ball game um, moves and all that stuff. And, and for those that might not be totally aware of, I guess, you know, the Marsh defensive component, I was 100% on board for him to be a gold glove winner this season based on his first half. Obviously, more time, you know, to kind of continue to prove it and more time to, you know, if you were to mess up, you could lose that kind of yep. privilege. It really sucks to me, at least, that he's a uh, you know jumping division because or jumping league rather. Um, probably not going to be able to win a, like a left field gold glove, which I think he would have won with the Angels. I, I don't think he would have won it, but I think he would have been my pick because oftentimes yeah, nomination yeah. gold glovers don't gold gloves don't necessarily go to the best fielder. We see it every year. Like, why is this guy nominated in the first place? Yep. You know, like yep. why this guy's like a mad defender, and you put him in the wrong position for some reason. But anyways. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Marsh is a guy who, you know, has a very uh, established role as an MLBer um, in some regard, whereas some of the guys Angels got back feel more like, you know, guys who still have to prove something at the MLB yeah. level. So uh, it makes sense for both sides in a way. But um, I think the Phillies did get better, obviously, um, in the short term, uh, this deadline. So it's going to help for their playoffs. I think that they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And if they do, you know, these guys will help. So it definitely put more pressure on, you know, some of the teams that are still fighting to get in. I mean, definitely um, Padres, of course, are making big moves, but they can't take their foot off the gas pedal. And then, of course, Atlanta cannot take their foot off the gas pedal with Philly right behind them. But Alex, I kind of want to move to two teams that, in my opinion, Alex did not have the strongest trade deadlines. They were, I think they were definitely beaten by a lot of their rivals, but, um, and these two teams, Alex are the top two teams in the NL, the Mets and the Dodgers, according to the rankings, um, Dodgers only acquiring the big names, at least, you know, Chris Martin reliever from the Chicago Cubs and then Joey Gallo from the New York Yankees and Gallo, of course, this year, we've been talking about it for months. Um, just a disappointing year so far the swing and miss this strikeouts the putting the, the contact has just been an all-time low practically this year um and then of course with the Mets they get a very similar kind of player as in Gallo they get Darren Ruff from the San Francisco Giants and then they also get Michael Givens I believe Michael Givens coming also out of the Chicago Cubs um bullpen but two teams Alex I just think that already have a loaded roster I'll give him that they already have a team that can compete for a World Series, the Mets and the Dodgers. But right. I feel like a lot of teams that come out and win a World Series always seem to do uh, better than most teams during the trade deadline and getting that last piece to uh, last piece of the puzzle, I'll say, to uh, to finish October strong. But give me your thoughts both on the Mets and the Dodgers as they you know finish the trade deadline. Yeah, I agree with your theory. I agree with the idea that you know the Padres addressed concerns the Braves added uh in a few ways you know some of the teams you know the Phillies added uh you know the teams that are going to be in the mix uh in October all you know the heavy hitters got better besides the Mets and the Dodgers I will say when it comes to the Dodgers Travis I will just continue time and time again yep. to never doubt <laughs> because when they see something in a guy it usually works out whether it be a pitcher or a hitter and when it doesn't, they'll just call somebody up that's going to contribute right away because they know what they're doing. They're a really smart team. 
uh, smarter than anyone else, I think. So because of that, Travis, I do think the Gallo signing, I'm not saying it becomes an all-star, but I think it works out. I think that they mm-hmm. see something there, or at least they see a chance, an opportunity for, you know, a it's, good... It's a tougher ballpark. A, a good depth option. Yeah, but I mean, it. that's true. Uh, but when Gallo hits it out, it's usually not front row. Of course. So uh, there's just, it just maybe a tweak in the swing or increase the contact in some way. And when he hits the ball, it's going to go far. So, and I, and I I will agree that I think the Dodgers can get a little more creative with his swing path, with his you know approach and stance, um, possibly fixing certain areas to make him, um, yeah, just I maybe a guy that just is focused more on contact, and you can you can see that. But please continue. Yeah, yeah, and I, it's like Gallo in my mind, he is who he is. Like you can't like yeah. tear him apart and rebuild like this contact hitting David Fletcher. Like that's just not going to happen, obviously. But I think that there's some things they could probably do to make the average go from like a 180 or whatever it is to, up to like a, you know, a 210 where like it was in Texas. Yep. And then he's hitting instead of, you know, how many home runs is he at? Like 12 or something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like low, you, yeah. you can go up to maybe, you know, 12 in the second half or something, you know, that, that'd be, that'd be a, a kind of a lot. But yep. uh, I do think that at this point in time, he's just a, a, I wouldn't say like it's amazing pickup, but he's a, a good pickup for the Dodgers in terms of his value was low, and he can maybe do something for you here before he becomes a free agent. Uh, I'm also thinking about, uh, in my mind, Travis, with the Dodgers and also the Mets, the story for me is it feels like there's a couple guys you maybe could have got that would have really helped, yep. and those guys stay put. And for me, part of that is maybe on the the receiving teams like the Dodgers and the Mets and part of it is on the teams that maybe had a too high of a price for their guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about, for example, I think JD Martinez would have been a great fit on either team. Just another bat in the middle of the lineup could be a thumper, could get some big ribbies. Um, he was not dealt right, Travis. So he was not dealt. Yeah. With that in mind, I think that, uh, a missed opportunity in a way, I'm not sure what Boston's asking price was, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, JD, yeah. JD is, I think going to be a free agent after this season. And I don't, I mean, maybe he could resign, but it seems like the Boston is not really in the pay in the pay our veterans mode. <laughs> yeah. uh, so with yeah. that in mind, you know, I feels like maybe a Dodgers or a Mets could have got him on a deal. Also think the Mets missed an opportunity on Wilson Contreras. Their production out of the catcher position has been pretty low this season. Wilson Contreras could have been a great offensive boost. Um, Wilson Contreras is also staying put as well as Ian Happ and Travis. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get too far away from the question you asked, but another question I have for you. What yeah. I mean, one of the biggest losers for me is the Cubs because you know <laughs> it's just crazy how they had these two guys who beginning of the whole trade season, Wilson Contreras, yeah. so many suitors, Astros, maybe Mets, maybe Yankees, maybe who knows where he could end up, and then you go to the other side of things. With Ian Happ, many teams could use an outfielder. He can play probably all three outfield spots, switch hitter, upside there. Yeah. Holding on to both those guys. I mean, Travis, they, they were hugging in the dugout on what they thought was their last game at Wrigley. Yeah. All for nothing. They're going to be staying put, and the Cubs are not going to get something for them at all. I'm not sure if they're both free agents. They may be. But, 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 but what a missed opportunity in my mind. Yeah, and I was actually – it's it's so funny you bring that up, Alex. I was going to ask you, you know, when you look at all – the, the main teams that we're selling, you know, which team looks like the biggest loser. It has to be the Chicago Cubs. I mean, you're right. They had, I feel like the market was so well, there was only really one 
great catcher that could be dealt and it was Contreras did not get dealt Ian Happ a switch hitting outfield there's so many teams could use a guy like that as more depth the Yankees could have used him you know even also looking at some of the outfield pickups that you know Mets got or you know even the St. Louis Cardinals or you know Milwaukee Brewers but it just seemed like the Cubs hanging on these two guys is you know I want to say it's it's maybe good for Chicago fans are probably happy they can see these guys play a little bit longer but you know you're not winning the season and it's it's almost like just just let these guys go let's get the prospects let's get the return that we can get from these guys and uh and and move forward towards 2023 but um that and also the jd martinez was kind of a a head scratcher i, I mean i know boston is not 100 percent out of it I, I things don't look good right now i mean of course getting rid of christian vasquez it seems that they're in pretty much a sell mode but yes you, you almost had to wonder you could have got something pretty valuable i feel like for jd martinez or at yeah. least something worth building for the next season um it, it's also another questionable look that you know if you know he should be leaving after the season's up and you're saying to yourself man he was a he was probably one of the best dh bats in the uh in the discussion in the market right now and and he's staying on our team and we can't get much for him and then at the end of the year he'll walk we won't get anything in return bogarts will possibly even walk we're not going to if they don't re-sign him, then you're basically letting him go as well. And then it's just Devers with a bunch of B to C tier kind of players. And then you kind of wonder, what will the Red Sox do? I always say this again, Alex, the Red Sox always shock me. They always seem to do something. Players seem to step up and they're right back in the playoffs. But still, it just seems like on paper, the Red Sox are in kind of a shaky spot right now. Currently fifth place in the AL East. Baltimore has a half game lead over them. Which Who would have guessed? Would have the, one of the biggest surprises I would say so far for the season with Baltimore. But um, I think our, our, you know, going back to the main point of it, you know, the Mets and the Dodgers, um, great teams so far, Alex. Um, they should be getting the buys in the first round. And that, of course, will be very helpful. And I will say this too. The Mets got probably the biggest addition today. Jacob deGrom is back. Jacob deGrom threw five innings, one run, uh, six Ks in his start against the Washington Nationals. Might, might get a loss, though, in classic deGrom fashion. Exactly. I think he's going to get a loss. I think I lost my check. They were down like six. It's actually, oh, really? It, it's 5-1 Washington now. So, hey. Blowpen, man. You know, Washington has already won to know after the Soto era. So, you're looking you're looking pretty nice if you're Mike Rizzo for the uh, Washington Nationals. But, Bit of a mastermind. <laughs> we'll get into that shortly right now. But, um, Alex, some last, uh, you know, teams to talk about just to kind of give them some props. But kind of talking about the bullpen game because we always talk about you know landing some big bullpen pieces to help you know solidify um you know just just get you through the playoffs every year we see that the bullpen is just so so crucial in you know making your status known advancing in the playoffs all that stuff you look at last year at the atlanta braves that three-headed monster was just so good in the end that was just so locked down but um talking about these three teams the blue jays the twins and i think the last team i kind of wanted to highlight um, I, I, you know, I guess we kind of already talked about the Milwaukee, uh, the Brewers with getting Taylor Rogers and getting, you know, kind of another, almost, a, almost a, I would say a one B of Josh Hader. Um, but just talking about those two teams, the Blue Jays and the twins, twins getting, um, Jorge Lopez. And then of course the Blue Jays getting bass and pop from the Miami Marlins for, for a very good prospect, but yes. you know, pretty much adding more to that bullpen. What are your thoughts on those two teams as they kind of made some low key under the radar moves? Some people had some bigger aspirations for what they would get, but thoughts on those two teams right now? Sure. Yeah. I'll start with Toronto, I guess. I think that Toronto is 
a team that's, you know, trying to gear up for the playoffs. I think they're aware um, that they're in that mix, but, you know, nothing's a lock. They're not, they feel like they're like not at quite as much of an upside as like late last year where like their bats were going off the wall. They're still obviously a great uh, hitting team and have some great pitchers as well, even though the rotation might need some depth. But anyways, adding Bass and Pop, I think both are relievers. I mean, the surface level numbers are obviously good. They have good ERAs. I think Bass is like at a crazy like he's either below one or he's at least below two. He's having yeah, a, a it's great... below it's below two. And I think I mentioned last week he had a FIP of like a one point nine seven. So I mean, you know, just are the advanced stats too liking him as well? Yeah. So there's there's tons to like, but obviously that kind of ERA is not sustainable. At some point here, they're gonna get to him. He's gonna have a bad week at some point. You know, there's no way you're pitching you know that well for 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 forever. So, but anyways. You know, there's still tons of good upside there in those picks. I'm kind of surprised that it cost them Groshans for like getting two pitchers yeah. at, or two relievers at at that. Like, you know, relievers are not always the easiest thing to come by at the deadline, but you figure you could get some guys that are, you know, at least you know going to do well in the postseason uh, to some degree to kind of hold them over to their bigger name guys because they do have a handful of guys who I do like. Like Simber has really good numbers. Of course, Romano is their ninth inning guy. Um, um, I think it's, I think it's pronounced Maiza, Mayaza. I'm not sure, but like mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have good relievers who have promising numbers. Um, so Bass and Pop will fit right in in that regard. Uh, you know, I can imagine maybe Bass slides into the cleanup spot, or sorry, the uh, setup spot. Um, and they're gonna have options, so it it helps them. I think for the playoffs, a good amount. That being said, a bit surprised it cost them Groshans. I think it was their number four overall prospect for the team. But um, yeah, I think that you know, it is a win now move, and and they're looking to win now. So yeah. and then going over to the Twins, Jorge Lopez. I mean, the Twins, Travis, are also in a bit of a win now mode. They know that Correa can opt out at any time. Uh, Buxton, when he's healthy, is a guy who you want to make sure you take advantage of it. So there's a, a lot going for them. They're playing well. They're playing good baseball. I think they had a walk off just dead or night. Um, they did been, against Detroit. Yeah, might have been last night. But yep. yeah, the. Rochella. The uh, a lot going for them offensively, and and the pitching has been, I guess, better than a lot of people might have expected. So Jorge Lopez probably going to slide in and be the closer. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I think that what he's done in Baltimore has been kind of out of nowhere shocker. He has had a pretty rough last month. I think his ERA in the first like three months of the season combined, it's like one yeah. around yeah. and the last month he said like a four year race so last couple outings they've got to him so it kind of makes you think you know how long will this success last is it gonna kind of snap back into shape is it just a blip or was the first part of the season where he was elite was that the blip so yeah it kind of makes you think you know how am i going to evaluate this guy who is having this kind of season out of nowhere but you know travis he has some solid velo i think it's a really good sinker he throws so i think it's but, like what 99 I'm not sure what it tops out at, but it it, it may be. But uh, I think there's just a good – there's things to like, I'll put it that way. And for for a team that wasn't like this elite stacked bullpen, um, at least in terms of name recognition, like this name is going to help them for sure as they try to, you know, secure the division down the stretch. So I think think it makes sense. All these guys, these teams trying to get relievers. One more team I'll throw in there, Travis, is the Atlanta Braves. And I forgot to mention them. That's them, yeah. Uh, Rizali Iglesias, of course, is the big deal um, from the Angels. Uh, that one, you know, Travis, we have tons of thoughts about. I'll just say this. Trying not to get too, you know. Give me your Angels perspective. Give me your Braves perspective, yeah. Okay, so from the Braves perspective, they added a reliever who 
The ERA would tell you he's having a down year. I think a lot of other stats will tell you he's at the top of his game in, in some interesting ways. Yeah. The weird thing about him, Travis, even last season when he was super dominant, when he gives up a hit, they hit it hard. And I don't know why that is. I'm not sure if like every once in a while he hangs a pitch or how it works, but he gets hit really hard. If he gives up a hit, it's probably a double. It's probably a homer. It's it's not it's not pretty when that happens, of course. But um, his strikeout to walk ratio is elite. It's like tops of the league yep. in terms of relievers. That's you know top some top ten percentile kind of deal. Um, his strikeout percentage overall is I think it's above thirty percent of the batters he's striking out, which is which is really good. Um, you know it's 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 not that because like. There's K's per nine and their strikeout percentage. So K's yeah. per nine would mean like one in inning, which kind of you might think like, oh, yeah. that's like one every three, but like no, like striking out one in every three is is probably more impressive because yeah. if you walk a guy, you're probably gonna make up for it with another strikeout at yeah. some point here. So, anyways, I think that um, Rizel is um, it, his performance is underrated, but his contract is really the kicker. Mm-hmm. He was owed ten million this year. And then the next three seasons, it would be I think sixteen million each of those three seasons, something like that. Um, with that in mind, my perspective on it is that the Angels gave him that deal, thinking we're going to be a playoff team these next few years. We need our lockdown guy who was just so good for us in twenty twenty one. Yeah. So they signed him. I think this season, Perry Manassian, GM, realized we should have done more to get more infielders. The outfielders like Marsh and Adele um, have showed showed signs, but are not MLB everyday players on the playoff team quite yet. Uh, and then even the ro- the rotation um, at the bottom is a little bit shallow, and the bullpen at the bottom is a little bit shallow. So all that kind of stuff wrapped the coaching up. Coaching staff is a little bit shallow. Yeah. Oh, Travis, I mean, we we could go on for 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 days about that kind of stuff. Yeah. But just in terms of roster construction, I think Perry realized. We have some holes to address in the offseason. Rizal Iglesias making $16 million for the next three offseasons is going to limit my ability to kind of fill out this roster. So I'm going to try to get off the contract. And in that regards, I understand the thought process. I understand the reasoning. And part of it also, Travis, is I think they're going to use some of that money to kind of lump it into increasing the a the aav the average money they're going to offer to otani i'm sure they're going to offer a big extension this offseason will he accept it i have truly absolutely no idea we'll have to wait till that time comes but uh i think getting off rizel's contract is only gonna increase the offer they're able to uh send otani's way yeah so overall from the angels i think they just they wanted to get off money you don't need an elite closer when you are 15 games below 500, you know, whatever they're at right now. So uh, they they know that they need to address some other areas to even get to the point where they need a closer. And Travis, I am a believer that that could happen pretty soon. That could happen yeah. next season or year after, whatever it might be. Uh, it just comes down to health and having a really good offseason, um, filling out the holes at the big league level. We have nice prospects coming up and, you know, two, three years from now in terms of pitching, in terms of, you know, infielders, outfielders. So there's stuff to like about, you know, the future. But as of the team right now, there are holes. So they had to get off their $16 million a year closer because that is just too much money if you're not going to be using them in the playoffs to try to carry you to a a ring, you know? Yeah, yeah. It almost feels like, you know, a closer is such an important position, but 
you're only you're, you might be only used two or three times a week, you know, and you might you might need to use that money for a middle infielder that can get you, you know, clutch hits on the daily. And, and, and instead and of just a, didn't see that instead so. of instead of a 500 OPS, like some of our middle infielders. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. And, and now you kind of put that point in my head. It definitely makes a lot more sense. I think one of the um, angel beat writers, uh, Jeff Fletcher for the Orange County Register mentioned, you know, some of the fans were just asking, you know, again, those angels fans on Twitter that just seem to just not know a thing. They're just, they're, they're wondering why are we getting rid of some of these guys? It was a question mark, but Jeff actually had a good, uh, a good comeback on one of them was just saying, you know, we're actually able to free up $58 million in money. If you look at it because of the the rest of the Syndergaard money and also, um, the whole entire contract of Iglesias. So you look at all the aspects of that, you can look towards this off season and say, Hey, yeah, we kind of maybe took a little bit of a step back, but Syndergaard of course will be off the books. Marsh is still developing into the player that he's going to become so this offseason of course it allows a little bit more spending room upton's off the books uh lorenzen's off the books a couple of the guys are off the books so now you're basically just assuring yourself you have almost 80 million dollars almost off the books i would say uh coming into this offseason so now you of course can look at that and say hey here's where we can spend the money and get better but um going back to atlanta i think kenley is off um is off the books this uh this after the season alex so now that uh He'll be off of their payroll. Iglesias can slide right in, and he'll be a dominant um, figure. Honestly, I still think he can have some really insane playoff moments this season for Atlanta. I think he can he can definitely change his season a little bit around in terms of ERA. Um, I'm with you. I'm still ride or die with him. He's still one of the best relievers in the game, in my opinion. A um, little bit of, you know, blips here or there. I think that some of the situations he gets thrown into are, it's really unfair. A couple nights ago, we watched put in, a uh, bases loaded situation with one out and gave up a double. I believe that, you know, what it do clear the bases. Yeah. Clear the bases lost the game. And it's a situation where if he's in a clean inning, it's a leadoff double yep. and he got, would have got the next three outs because yep. you know, he got two outs right after that happened. Yep. So yep. Uh, it's just a situation where unfortunately uh, the rest of the team was not able to kind of keep it together. And that's been, been the story of the season for the angels. It is. Y- you mentioned something about, Iglesias is like, you know, the ERA has not been that great. And I do agree. It's like above a four, which, you know, league average this year, the ERA is lower than than years past. So yeah. mm-hmm. if you're up in the fours as a reliever, it's not very good. But Travis, some of the underlying numbers, because I, 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 I had a little bit of a beef. I didn't tweet anything, but <laughs> I saw this tweet from a, a Blue Jays fan and it really kind of, it didn't trigger me, but I was just like, you know, this guy doesn't know anything he's talking about. Because he said like, he said like, because there was a rumor for a while that the Blue Jays were targeting a Thor, you know, Noah Syndergaard combo with Rizal Iglesias, yeah. which I wonder what kind of prospect package that would have brought back considering that Pop and Bass got them, you know, uh, Groshans. Groshans, the number yeah. four prospect. The one thing about Iglesias is the return's not going to be great just considering the contract. Mm-hmm. If they eat the contract, which the Braves are doing, which is like the big reason the Angels probably did this deal, um, the return is not special. But with the Blue Jays thing, this fan was saying, why are we targeting this reliever? His ERA is like, would be like the like the third highest on our team. He'd be like our fifth best or sixth best option in the bullpen. And I said, I, I didn't say this, but I like did like the research on my yeah, computer. Yeah. And I was like, he has most of the underlying stats in terms of expected, expected ERA, expected FIP, Sierra, strikeout percentage, walk percentage. They are, every single stat I looked at was better than 
uh, Jordan Romano, who mm-hmm. is their premier ninth inning guy. Romano's a great closer. I mean, I think he's a good closer at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think Iglesias would be their closer. I, mean, I, I I think that I think that they would probably would have used him as a setup guy, and I think they would have been wrong. I think that yeah. it would have been you know I think Iglesias would be the best reliever on their team. Uh, in my mind, it's not even that close really. Um, his some of his expected numbers are uh, really elite this year. Um, the strikeouts are unreal and the walks are not as bad as they may seem sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I think that Rizel, um, the Braves got a good one in mm-hmm, my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume he'll be setting up Kenley. I'm not sure how they will approach that mm-hmm. for this postseason, this, you know, home stretch, assuming they make the postseason. But yeah, I think that they made, a uh, an interesting move. I'm, I'm, because just the Braves being willing to take on that money is kind of interesting because I feel like they're always so crafty about yeah. not spending big money. Something we didn't mention at all, Travis, is Austin Riley just got a huge extension. Yeah. The biggest payday of any Brave ever. Did you know that? I did not the, know the that. The biggest money they've given out in terms of total value of a contract to Austin Riley. I think it was a 10-year deal. They usually do not. Freddie Freeman is a... Oh, he's, he's just... He's throwing, <laughs> I, saw, he's, I saw some memes about he's throwing that. throwing a and- fit. And it was it was kind of funny, but it was also you know Riley is their future along with Acuna and a lot of other guys. But he's, um, he's going to match up nicely time wise with, well. with the core with Olsen on these multi year deals. I think it's like twenty twenty seven. They have all these guys under control, which is like it's like almost their whole team is like unbelievable. Like control, five years yeah. and you have a full core at these guys. Um, Atlanta is looking really good for the future. Hundred um, percent. Iglesias is really nice too, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say they. Uh, I don't think they they didn't get Riley cheaply, but it, it it seems like in a couple years, if his stock kept on going up, um, Riley could have been a guy that would get three hundred million dollars or something like that. Well, just you know, with the way his bat's been the last couple seasons. Yeah, the deal was like a little bit like some amount over two hundred million for ten years. So mm-hmm. it's like the biggest total money they've ever given a player, but only like twenty two or something like that uh, average per year. Like for a third baseman who's Very probably going to be, you know, top six, seven, maybe top five at the position yeah. for like a decade. Like that is something that is a bargain in a way, even oh, yeah. though it is your biggest contract you've ever given out. So oh, yeah. uh, it's interesting to look at both sides uh, on that, Travis. But um, I have a question for you mm-hmm. that we can look at really quick. Um, it's just kind of a random thought that I had. I'm not sure what the Angels are going to do with Shoei Otani yeah. in the offseason. They may extend him. They may trade him if the extension is not agreed upon. But here's a just a little bit of a, a fun thought experiment. <laughs> Who do you think is the Angels' 2023 opening day starter? Yeah, that's a tough I one. I don't think we've had a consistent one. When was the last time we had a repeat opening day starter? It was probably like... It was probably like Weaver, right? I mean, am I? Yeah, yeah, Weaver. Because um, like last year, this, he, this Heaney, I thought, but I think he had it, some. It, it may have been Heaney at one point, but this year it was Otani. Twenty twenty one, it was Bundy. Yeah. Twenty twenty, it was Heaney, I believe. And then the year before, yeah, it, it was, was Cahill. Yeah, before that was Cahill, <laughs> and like it literally just keeps being some random yeah, guy before yeah. that. Um, if you keep going back and back, um, but yeah, I mean, give me your thought. If yeah. you if you had to predict, obviously we don't know if we're going to add a free agent pitcher mm-hmm. we don't know if we're going to keep otani or not we don't know if sandoval or detmers is going to be better when the season ends i think they're both in the race but yes. g- give me yeah. your guess just put yeah. your plant your flag somewhere i will um i i, I will say it's otani okay. um i think with the money that we've seen being um allocated elsewhere and just the um the room that they've kind of given them that 
it seems that the extension is is in better i would say in in a better likelihood shape yeah and likelihood also alex um the trade today with Soto was, I mean, it was a very good one. But it, at first, you know, we were looking at, I, th- I think at first, there was like three different scenarios, Alex. I think I think there was one scenario where there was no Mackenzie Gore, but there's Eric Hosmer. And then I think they added Gore or something like that. And then they also kept Hosmer. But then, of course, the no trade, yeah. um, you know, dilemma happened. And then Hosmer wound up, you know, not accepting y'all. But I think right now you got to look at two. If you were to trade Otani, and I know we, I think for the last three episodes, obviously we've talked about this scenario. Um, I think in the last, you know, if, if you trade Otani, you really have to be getting the return that you know you you see as valuable, and you know what Perry seems sees that viable. I don't want to be taking some random veteran player where you're taking three, two to three years of a large contract in the Otani trade. You know what I mean? Um, right. I, I think that today a lot of people thought that the Nationals just kind of gave up Soto with just. So many players that were, of course, unproven, but that's, of course, the Nationals mindset right now. I mean, they, they can't be looking at win now. They got to be looking at win in, you know, the next five years or so. But um, it, it was just a very, um, going back to uh, Brian Windhorst, a very, a very strange trade. Um, you know, I, 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 I think <laughs> very it, strange. It, it scared me a little bit because then I thought to myself, oh, crap. You know, imagine you just said to yourself, you're trading a guy that's like you, like you mentioned in the last podcast, once in a, not in a generation, once in a, in a, you know, mankind. Yeah. kind of player <laughs> once that, in eternity that once in eternity otani right now that w- you'd have to just get something that's so insane in return and i i would i would definitely say you'd have to get something that's more insane than Juan soto Juan soto is a one-dimensional player shohei otani is a two-dimensional player so um i will say shohei will be starting for us in 2023 um as my safe pick it, it, again i again i do not know what's going to happen with this offseason um, but I just know that right now that it, the, the signs are showing that they're trying to free up some money for something big. It's possibly a Shohei extension and it's possibly even more more starting pitching coming down, um, you know, with Rodon being a free agent, with some of these other guys being free agents. Yep. Um, you know, we saw a picture a couple of days ago, Alex. Uh, Otani was at the beach with Syndergaard, mm-hmm. of course, now a Philly. And I think it was also um, Lorenzen, Michael Lorenzen and also Ipe, Ipe which yep. I mean, I, squad. I think. I, I think losing EP would be the biggest devastation for me because he just he, he's just a great guy to he have. He ties on the it. team together. He really does. And so, you know, I I have a feeling though, Otani loves to be in Anaheim, loves to be where he's at to play. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Otani is is the guy that really could be more of I would take less to help the team win, you know, in the next season or two. I, I don't know. I just have that feeling that maybe he could be a guy that says, you know what, I will only take 35 to $40 million instead of the whole 40 to 45 to 50 million AAV hmm. that people are speculating. I could see that too. I just don't know if he's the kind of guy that would be, you know, really looking at, I want the bag. I want the money. Like some of these other guys are and saying, you know what, I want the success with this one team. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think the last couple of days, I've just kind of thought that Otani really likes where he's at. And maybe he's just that kind of personality guy that says, I don't really want to leave. I, I want to stay with this team. I want to stick it out. Um, I love everything around me. I love the, you know, just the environment of SoCal that where I'm at. I mean, crap. Juan Soto came to SoCal now. So that you really want to leave SoCal. I mean, unless you want to go to the Padres, which I mean, who, who are they going to give us? And then of course you want to go to the Dodgers, which is the only option with the prospect hall that they can give us or the St. Louis Cardinals, maybe a couple other teams, but I don't know. I, I just have that mindset that maybe he could possibly even say, I'll take uh, a little bit of a pay cut, which I think would be very it'd be unfair because he deserves a lot of money with what he's been able to do but you know it's it just kind of my thought process he loves to be where he's at 
I think he could be that humble kind of guy that says, I'll take less to make sure that we can get this team, um, you know, where it's at. And if, if that happens, Alex, PayPal, sign me up. We are building this guy a statue in front of Angel Stadium. I don't care what Artie says. The fans need to come out and embrace this guy. So We'll fundraise it, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just – I see that – as a uh, a real possibility right now just with the way the last couple of hours have went with the uh, the money being allocated elsewhere so that's kind of my taste on that yeah i i agree with your idea that it makes sense that a big extension will be offered because of the way the money is kind of shaping up right now um they're clearly clearing space uh 58 million over the next four years uh with the rizel thing in mind uh rizel plus thor yeah uh, of course, also thirty million off the books or something around there for Upton. So like, there's a lot of things pointing favorably for the Angels in terms of having the space for it. It really comes down to this, Travis. Will we offer all the money that we can? Because I agree that maybe he won't care that much about becoming like the highest paid player ever and a passing trout. Yeah, I don't really know that much about like the Japanese representation that he has in terms of like the agent he has and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if they're usually aggressive, like a Boris, or I don't know exactly exactly how they approach that yeah. kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, I will say this, that he deserves to have an insane payday because, Oh yeah. I mean, I think every year the contracts go up, obviously. I do think Soto's contract, whenever it does happen, will su- surpass Trout's um, in terms of total money, assuming it's, you know, for like a decade plus, assuming it's not like a shorter deal, which I don't know why it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Otani wants to be up there in that kind of class with the numbers just because he has earned it. He is won an MVP, and this year he's firmly in the race. He's definitely top two in American League at this point. Uh, could win it again. If you're back-to-back MVPs, I don't think you're taking, you know, a huge cut, but it, 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 could, yeah. it, it could be some level of, a, of you know, of not trying to break, you know, AAV records. Maybe he doesn't want 50 mil, but he'll take, you know, 10 years of, you know, 40 or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. see. But, uh, yeah, my, my, I guess my final thought is I thought that the Padres had one of the best packages to offer for Otani. Of course, that same package kind of went to Soto. Yeah. The one team that also makes a lot of sense in terms of the package offered is, of course, the Dodgers. They have such a talented top of their prospect pool. Mm-hmm. You got Pages, you got Bush. Of course, May's an MLB year, but you can get May's or sorry, May. You can get Lux. You can get, I mean, you can build a crazy package. Oh, you, you could. Pepio, Miller, like the list goes on and on and on. Um, Take it, that catcher from them and then maybe you could trade away the catcher we just got for, you know, you, you, I, you, you could have, you'd be so creative. You could, uh, absolutely. And I do think that um, there's two different thoughts about that. Like, yes, it would be a crazy influx of talent to our MLB team in terms of the next two, three years. At the same time, I hear some Angel fans talking about it like it would revamp our farm. Um, like just like it'll just juice it up and now we'll have a good farm. I think that's kind of a flawed logic. Yeah. I think that in order to rejuice our farm, it comes down to good draft sorry, good drafting. It comes down to good development. It comes down to addressing the problems with our players, which it feels like sometimes doesn't happen. Sometimes it does. Reed Detmers recently just had a really kind of breakout last three starts. Yeah, yeah last he get, month. He, yeah. he gets sent down to AAA. They tweak his slider. It, he gets called back up. It's up two miles an hour in velo. He's locating it great. He's getting tons of tons of swing and misses on the slider. He's a different pitcher now. Yeah. It's crazy. Four starts, 1.13 ERA. I mean, it, unbelievable against against good playoff teams as of right now. And Travis, and that is coming from one, really one tweak on a player that we knew had good potential. Yeah. So if you can make things like that, 
then you're going to have a good farm. If you can make the right tweaks on players with upside, if you draft well, that's what it comes down to in my mind, at least. Good development, good drafting, good scouting. You know, one trade for like five really good prospects, but not like guys who are going to, you know, those guys are going to graduate from the farm and then our farm is going to be bad again unless we get the developing yeah. and the scouting and yeah. the drafting all and who knows? squared maybe, maybe, off. Maybe we screw up all those guys in the farm. I mean, maybe the, we the, call them all up immediately. They stink and their and the confidence is yeah, ruined. And You're right. And the development is uh, is is just, you know, completely wasted for. So that, that's why, you know, I, I also wanted to look at that trade and say, you know, I'd want to get guys that are playing right now and possibly not everything is just all prospects because – like I said, again, we have Rendon, we have Trout, we have, you know, we have the tools, I think, put a winning product onto the field. I just don't want to just punt and say, okay, we're just going to give it up till, you know, 2025. And, you know, we'll try again there. But, um, you know, Tani is a guy that's going to help you win right now. So um, the, the discussions are already being made, I guarantee you, with Perry. Now that the trade deadline's over, he can kind of, um, I, I always wonder if like GMs tonight just kind of like, you know, go out and just kind of have, have a glass of wine. Yeah, go out and just kind of get like, you know, just take take a load off because it's like all right so now i'm basically done for the rest of the year practically and now i can start looking for uh you know what i'm going to do in the off season and all that kind of stuff and what 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 moves i can make hopefully now perry is looking at okay two months to go right now it's not looking that good um let's start looking at of course the staff the coaching staff the medical staff all that stuff to kind of you know once the season is over the next day we are already making those signings and those you know those announcements to the public and all that stuff but it's always a thought i wondered with today like what what are the gms doing tonight it's almost just like they're probably like i don't even want to watch baseball i just want to just go home and finish two bottles of wine yeah i mean <laughs> some of the some of these guys the way they have to tear their teams apart uh or or completely destroy the farm yeah. for a win now yeah. move i mean it's definitely probably stressful for them but yeah. Yeah. and actually was, one question alex i wanted to ahead. ask you because i know i know uh kind of sure. got off topic for a little bit but you know you look at so many teams that, you know, made moves, so many teams like that either sold or, of course, bought. Of course, there are those teams that are just in the middle and are just in a stalemate. You don't really know what they're going to do, where they're going to go. But looking at the teams like Cleveland, Chicago White Sox, San Francisco Giants, um, you know, what? I, I'll kind of throw in um, Texas just a little bit because they do have some pieces they could move like Martin Perez and then even possibly like Tampa Bay Rays didn't make a lot of noise even though again Tampa has a team and a machine that is built to win but out of those teams I kind of mentioned Cleveland the White Sox Texas the Giants and also the Rays you know which team I I, I won't I won't throw in the Cubs because we already talked about them but out of those teams which team kind of just really uh, disappointed you the most yeah so what I wrote in my notes was that the losers of the deadline was the city of Chicago because because I was talking about both <laughs> very teams. very so, good right so, there so, yeah. so, so I, I'm leaning White Sox I guess just because I had that in my notes the Guardians Travis are a team where you kind of know they're not really going to spend right yeah. like I'm not surprised that the Guardians didn't like sell the farm for Soto or whatever I mean they're having trouble keeping talent as it is probably because you know yeah. uh, unless you're Jose uh, Ramirez like there's just not a lot of people that want to stick around in Cleveland for that long getting them to sign a 10-year deal there is going to be impossible so I'm not surprised they didn't make any huge crazy splashes you'd think maybe they could make a couple smart deals here and there but they're really just kind of focused on almost a brewer's mindset like mm -hmm. how I discussed earlier mm -hmm. it's about being good for a long time versus great right now so they're still going to be, I guess, a solid team. We'll see how they kind of shape up in the second half. But uh, craziest I'm, thing to me is they are one game out of a division spot right now, which you know that is crazy. I mean, you you are one game away from hosting the first round. So and 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 if that were to happen, you know, I mean, so they're a team 
also, of course, the Giants are dealing with the Dodgers, so it's going to be hard to win the division. Yes, but there's yeah. there's some of these teams that are like you look at their roster and you're not that wowed, but you can say you can make an argument that they can make the postseason. You can also make an argument that they're going to finish, you know, five games under and wish that they sold some guys. So it's it's just a tough decision to make at this point of the season. But I would say the White Sox kind of. Uh, miss an opportunity. They didn't have to go get someone for like a rental. They could have gotten try to find a, a target, a guy who's going to be uh, around for a few seasons and kind of let let him kind of grow with you know the Tim Anderson, uh, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert kind of core. Yep. Uh, Mancada, you know all these guys in the mix, young pitchers. So they, I mean, th- there's there's definitely some missed opportunity in my mind for the White Sox. Um, speaking of the White Sox, Travis, I actually had one quick stat about my favorite pitcher to praise right now who is of course Mr. D- Cease. Dylan Cease yes. um he just continues every start Travis they just, they, they, you know they could have sold La Russa. I think they, that 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 would have been the best move for them right what now. would they have gotten just just, <laughs> just salary relief maybe probably uh, <laughs> uh probably a couple handles of Jameson whiskey or something like yeah, that yeah cash considerations <laughs> as well but um this is his Dylan Cease stat that I saw but by uh ESPN stats info Dylan Cease is the second pitcher since earned runs became an official stat in both leagues, which was 1913, Mm -hmm. to have a 12 starts in a row with one or zero earned runs allowed. The other was Jacob deGrom last year when we could not stop talking about how crazy good he was at the first half of last year. Cease has given up only four earned runs total in his last 12 starts, and all were solo home runs. He is having, I think, one of the most underrated pitching seasons that I can remember. I, maybe I'm just not listening to enough national media, but I feel like no one's talking about him Absolutely in, not. in the AL race. I feel like all the love is going to Verlander, which he's being great. McClanahan is being phenomenal, but Cease is in that tier right now, absolutely, in my opinion. Um, the White Sox have some great things going for them right now. It feels like they could have made a move at the deadline to kind of reinforce their chance. I mean, maybe they could sell a couple pieces and like think about next season, but I think in their mindset, they're just trying to make the postseason. Um with the roster they got, yeah. They have enough talent to do so. It's been an underwhelming year for sure. I think even if, Travis, if this year, if they finish in the same exact order with, you know, Twins, let's say Twins make the postseason, yep. Guardians make a wild card or they miss it by a game or whatever, and then let's say the White Sox finish third, I still think opening day next year, if the roster stay mostly the same, the White Sox will be the favorite again, I feel like, of just course. because of the talent of course. Um, and the upside there. But You, you know, have to think you're going to get a better season from Giolito, and I don't know if Lance Lynn is on the team as well next year. You have to think that maybe they'd get, a, you know, of course, a full season from him and maybe even a better season. I don't know. Yeah. Lance Lynn is, again, I, I haven't been high on him. You haven't been high on him. He kind of had some lucky seasons, I would say. But, um, yeah, you're, but, I mean, you're right about that. The talent on the White Sox is through the roof. And, and then you're hoping for more development from, you know, Cease, of course, more development from Kopech, Robert, hopefully he develops and stays healthy. Yep. Eloy stays healthy, hopefully. Like, there's tons of great stuff that could happen for them Vaughn, in guys, an yeah. ideal situation. But, you know, at the end of the day, right now, it is looking kind of, you know, uncertain times. So that, that would be my pick for the deadline that kind of let me down um, by just kind of standing pat. And, you know, not really having a game plan, it seemed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right. City of Chicago was the biggest losers of the deadline. Um, you know, it, it was interesting, too, with all the news kind of today and yesterday with Carlos Rodon, you know, building up his uh, his market with some of the teams like the Toronto Blue Jays and also the Philadelphia Phillies. You know, one of those teams, Ad Rodon, Alex, I think I mentioned today, the Phillies, Ad Rodon, they have one of the best. 
craziest three-headed monsters to go into the playoffs if they make the playoffs with Nola, Rodon, Wheeler. I don't even know how you organize those three in order, but yeah. I know it's going to be three elite starts yeah. in the playoffs. Yep, yep, yep. If and they were to do that, which of course did not happen. And yeah. so it, you almost wonder too if the Giants were, you know, Rodon is probably, I mean, probably, he is going to be looking for a, you know, contract adjustment after the season. He'll be looking for more money. Probably be opting so, out, yeah. Opting out. Uh, don't know if the Giants could, uh, you know, re-sign a guy like that. And, um, you know, even if they want to re-sign a guy like that, but uh, it would have been really nice for Philly to uh, to get a guy. Uh, I don't know, really know what the prospects haul they would have to give up. Um, I know it's only a two-month rental, which would at least give, you know, in favor to Philly, not giving up too, too much. But um, it's crazy that just that move right now, Alex, you would have been saying, Philly looks like one of the most dominant teams in the NL East and yeah. they're 10 games back, yeah. but probably not going to win the division. But right now the trending, the stock, that is where you want to be. Philly looks like a great team going forward for the next two months. Hopefully you get Harper back in September. Imagine you had Rodon and Harper back in September and you guys are still cruising um, with that team. I mean, and Schwarber and all these guys, I, I mean, they, they, they could be uh, a pretty crazy team down the stretch, but just a, just a move that I know that didn't happen. That would have been, um, in my opinion, I think it would have been pretty insane. I also kept Jock Peterson, the Giants did. So um, really the big, I guess, move they got rid of was uh, was Darren Ruff, who uh, was kind of a good uh, a good late-game hero last year down the stretch. But um, Also sent, uh, like you said, Casale to the you're right, you're Seattle right. and just kind of like just very small, minor yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I, I know Bart is their future, and that's where they're going to build off of. But, um, it, it, of course, we'll be talking about some of these teams probably later on in, uh, in, in the offseason. But... Um, you know, those teams that kind of just stay still, like you said, the, the the White Sox just have to be the biggest question mark. They are 500, according to baseball reference right now, 51 and 51. So, again, we talked last week about the White Sox just have not caught fire. I, I think it could still happen, po- possibly, but um, it just <laughs> they're, they're just a funky team this year, Alex. I, I really don't have to say much about it because, like you said, the talent is all there. It just seems like everyone is having one of their worst seasons except for Dylan Cease, but or they're injured. But um yeah it's just funny that the white Sox didn't want to make one big move to uh you know to to, to re- restate their dominance even bringing back rodon imagine that you bring back rodon and you and you, and you pair him with cease you could have had him for the qualifying offer and you didn't give it to him and yeah he might win top three cy young and yeah you're just missing out yeah but. yeah and right now you're definitely a division winner and you're you know you're gearing up for that you know that probably that, that three seed but um Anything else you really want to cap on on this uh, this episode? I know I know it was basically just kind of highlighting that the the top news stories of the day of the last couple of days. Um, you know, August is here; the second half is upon us. Anything else you want to add on? Yeah, uh, not really. I was gonna do a little bit of a make fun of Colorado Rockies segment, oh. but we don't have to go. We don't have to bash them too hard. We'll show some mercy. But essentially, they extended a 38 year old reliever. That's right. That's for right. like yeah. no reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Didn't they, get rid of Crone. They, they, they could have sold some guys because yes. they're not making the postseason this year, and they decided let's just extend our old reliever who has some value to a playoff team, but no value to us. Well, one thing I read from like Mike Petriello, who's uh, MLB kind of guy, Statcast kind of uh, writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he said something about like he's not surprised by the Rockies anymore because he kind of thinks he gets it, and they just really value guys who want to be there, which is interesting because um, a lot of a, a, a lot of pitchers don't want to be in Colorado, obviously, yeah. and yep. so uh, they kind of really buy into their culture and what they think might sell. And you know he was unsurprised by the deal, which is a tweet that I thought was interesting because you know Bard is a reliever who could have gone anywhere. Um, 
I mean, Yankees. I mean, any team that's in the playoffs could use another middle reliever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like the he's like the closer for the Rockies, but he could be you know a good middle part of the bullpen for anybody. He's getting old, so there's no reason to really. Um, yeah, I mean, Toronto gave up top hundred prospect for yeah, a couple relievers. So. For, for two relievers, and, and you know, you could have done like a. I think I I don't know how to say his last name. It's like Chad Cool. It's, uh-huh. it's a K U H L. Like they could have traded him in a package with uh bard and to like yeah to like the blue jays or someone and gotten a good prospect back or to the yankees and gotten like yeah. you know their yeah. ninth or tenth prospect back but you know they set a stand pat if they view that as loyalty then i mean good for them i guess but i think it's not a great strategy for winning long term i don't think no. many, many people think it's a great strategy for winning but we won't pile on too much longer on them <laughs> we can kind of wrap it up for the day travis a lot of winners a lot of losers and some of these deals we're not going to even know what if they were wins or fails until a couple years from now yeah. i mean the angels brought in two young really young players from the, the phillies who stole they still have to pretty much prove what they can do at the mlb level yeah. maniac has had no success at the mlb level yeah he has thrived Former first overall pick yeah. he's thrived at some level in the minors um obviously thrived before getting drafted in the first overall pick and then the catcher they got is having a great season in double a i heard he got assigned to our double a team today so that's you know good news um he's fitting right in hopefully and can work with our young double a pitchers who that's pretty much where all of our young pitchers are are you know early 20 year olds who have been drafted the last couple seasons are yep. all there so hopefully they can build some chemistry and you know fingers crossed for a brighter future but my, my main my main point was that you know some of these teams we won't even know if the deal was good or bad for a couple years so uh, you know, psyched to kind of keep covering everything. And uh, yeah, Brandon Morris, he can, he can make the game saving play in, you know, the NLCS this year he, in center field. Or I think, something like I think that. he's going to rob like Acuna from a home run or yeah, something like that. Yeah. I could see it. I could see it happening too. Yeah. But uh, that pretty much wraps up the episode. If you made it this far, thanks so much. We'll be back at it again next week, of course. So thanks for watching. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>